Life is all just one big test. Don't fail. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum, and producer behind the scenes, Marcus Sassen. This leads us into our guest today, Sean Nybauer. Sean is a practicing chiropractor and owns his own clinic, Health Source of Chanhassen, which was voted the best chiropractic clinic in Minnesota of 2019. Today, Sean and I talked about how movement is medicine, fine-tuning your body and what that means for athletics, and looking at the valleys as an opportunity to look up. Sean has an amazing mindset, and he gave me a lot of really great things to think about during this podcast. If you picked up on any of these nuggets and felt like you got something out of the podcast, it'd be a huge help if you took the time out to rate the podcast. The ratings help feel and push the podcast forward so we can continue to grow and get better at everything we do. As always, thank you for listening and taking the time out of your day to listen. Enjoy. All right. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. It's awesome. I'm excited to have you on. I look forward to it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your your background, uh, kind of how you got into this profession and things that led up to this? Yeah, absolutely. I am um, from a small town, Southwest Minnesota. Sleepy eye, actually. Okay. And uh, when I was a young kid, um, love sports, love hanging out with athletes, love doing all kinds of different things. And I had an opportunity to um, be adjusted very young in life for different things and ended up actually hanging out with that doctor in his clinic for, you know, hours at a time. It was kind of a crazy thing. Little kid running around a clinic and just watching this doctor who happens to be a great mentor of mine at this point. And uh, I'd watch him and I'd look at him and I'd be like, everybody coming out of this guy's clinic is just happy. You know, they're athletic. They're some young, some old. Everybody's just leaving happy. And so when I was in the second grade, I actually wrote a paper on chiropractic. Oh, really? Yeah. Second grade. I either wanted to be a professional athlete or a chiropractor and the uh, professional athlete thing didn't pan out. So here I am. Um, all through my education, all through high school, all through college, all through sports, I was adjusted all the way through. A lot of it actually was for sports performance. Okay. And so I had a ton of interest in the chiropractic and how it relates to what I did. And obviously as a collegiate athlete, as you know, um, your goal is how do I perform better? Yeah. And so from day one in sports all the way through, chiropractic was my passion. It was my profession that I wanted to do and, and I never wavered. So what sports were you playing at this time? Uh, track and basketball. Okay. Which one was your uh, main one? Basketball. Basketball. Yep. Okay. And when you're going through this process, because I know that the becoming a chiropractor, just from a few friends, it's a long journey. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were in undergrad, what was kind of like the big step up from going from undergrad to graduate school and that process for you? Well, I, a big step when I was an undergrad, I was a pre-med major played basketball in college, um, kind of balanced the two out really well. Didn't have to, you know, necessarily work a ton because, mm-hmm. you know, it's undergraduate. You work hard, but at the same time, you have plenty of time to, you know, keep up on things. Graduate school is a whole nother level. Yeah. Um, a lot of the same curriculum as, as a lot of the medical world, which is great. You know, we learned a lot of the same things, which is fantastic. You can relate back and forth with a lot of those doctors. But, you know, to go from the credits you have in undergrad to, you know, eight to six classes and then study till midnight every night, it was a whole nother level. Um, which is great because you want to make sure that when you get out in the real world, you really know what you're doing, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to learn how to study all over again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's <laughs> a, a couple, like I said, a couple of my buddies are telling me the same thing. It's like, yeah, undergraduate was like, it's all right. But this this graduate school stuff is killing me. <laughs> it's the real deal. So where where did you go to undergraduate and then graduate school? Well, I went to St. John's. So, oh, <laughs> oh, all right. So so we got some beef to start off right that's away. Right. <laughs> uh, and then graduate school? Uh, North 
Northwestern University, which is in Bloomington, Minnesota. Okay, yep, yeah, that's where a couple of my buddies were going. Um, how do you think the the St. John's did it prepare you pretty well for graduate school? I'm thinking uh, a couple of the audience members that are going to be listening, thinking about schools to go to for preparation for graduate school, and some things that some tips that you could give them maybe in undergraduate to get ready. So it's not like they're relearning or is it just when you get there, you're going to have to relearn anyways. I have told, and I actually told a patient of mine this today. He's a high school kid looking at being a chiropractor. And I told him, I'm like, you pick the college that fits you best, mm-hmm. whether you're an art major, whether you're an education major, whether you're pre-med, you go through those years and you enjoy the process because no matter what happens, when you get to that graduate school program, you're going to have to start fresh. So anybody that's looking at the program, number one, I wouldn't be afraid of it. If you're willing to work at it and I had to work, I was not one of those guys that could just sit down and take a test to get an A. I had to work at it. Um, you will be successful in your own right if you're willing to. So undergraduate, man, enjoy it. Those are some great four years you're going to have in front of you, whether you play sports or whether you don't. There's some good times. Um, and then just get ready to buckle down when you're done and, you know, do what you got to do to get to the next step. For sure. So after graduate school, what was kind of your steps in life from there? Graduate school, then there was an internship, which is I had a great intern at Hopkins. He taught me a lot of different things. Um, But really, I would say the first three years of chiropractic is just it's a learning curve. Okay, you're making so many mistakes when it comes to not necessarily working with patients, but, you know, the ins and the outs of running a business or dealing with people or dealing with insurances. And that's the stuff that you don't really learn in school. You learn from mentors along the way. Yeah. So, you know, my biggest advice those first couple of years is be under a great mentorship. So you can bounce those ideas off of those those people that have done it before. Um, but for me, it was, you know, I headed out to Waconia where I had my first practice. I got to work with a great doctor out there for a lot of years. And those first few years were just working under his wing. OK. And then um, I worked really, really hard to become independent because I knew that's where I wanted to go. I did not want to be someone that just, you know, hung out in the shadows of other people. I wanted to be that lead doctor. I wanted to be the one that took care of people. And I don't think you can get that until you have the. Um, the experience, but also the, the, the background, meaning I've done this, I fixed this, I can do this with you. I think that goes a long way. So those first three years for me were, they were tough. I mean, you're hitting walls all over the place. You know, you're waking up and trying to mentally get yourself ready when the day before, you know, world had a a chance to knock you down. Um, but once you get your groove, it's a great profession. I love it. 21 years later. Yeah. You're still here. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're talking about you're getting that experience and something to draw back on when you're you become the individual. What were some of those moments for you to where you're like, all right, I'm, I'm kind of on the path. I, I'm kind of doing this right. I get a little bit of momentum. What were some of those things for you and how did you feel that? I've, I had a, I've had a lot of opportunities to have some really great mentors around the country. I've been part of some um, mastermind groups around the country with some really, really great people that know a lot. Um, people that are not afraid to knock you down, you know, so you get that that first you know, I have success much like in sports, right? Yeah. You win a game, you win your first game and you know, you're the best in the world. It, it, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. And so in chiropractic, it's a matter of, Hey, I did some really good things today. I helped some really good people, but there's a lot more out there that I can do. And so, you know, going back to the Colby Bryant thing, the one, the one quote that he had that I was listening to the other day when I was reading a little bit about his, uh, um, his life was, you know, if you're satisfied with being good, you're never going to be great. Yeah you got to shoot for the greatness. And so every single day in my clinic, whether it's back then or right now, I'm looking for ways to be bigger and better than the day before. Not necessarily in size, volume, but in what I do and how I do it. Mm-hmm. So 21 years later, I'm looking for the next edge. I'm looking for the next way that I can prove myself. For yeah. sure. So that I love that point. In chiropractic, was there something that was that next step for you? 
when you were coming out of school and you, you were taught all these things, but when did you really start to get that, that next step? And what was that? Was there a thing they're like, all right, I've been doing this forever. I've been taught this forever, but this is actually what I think is going to go forward. For me, I'm, I've always been one of those people that I love adversity. Mm-hmm. You know, I think everybody has adversity and it's just a matter what you do with it or how you perceive it. And so when I was told way back when that I couldn't do something, I walked into a clinic that was very successful as an intern. I was told many times, don't do it. This thing can't grow. It can't support you. It can't survive. I I looked at that as a personal challenge. I said, okay, if it can't be done, but I can find a way to do it, that's a way I can find greatness in that moment. Yeah. Um, And I did. And we doubled the size of the practice when I went there because of the things that I did and the, 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 the work ethic that we had as a team. Um, same thing I do with this practice. We have very, very great results on a lot of different levels. And I believe you can't have quantity without quality. I think those results speak for themselves. But I remind my team each and every day, if we're not bringing our A game, we're in trouble. Yeah. And so for me, it's every day I get up, I get here early. I'm listening to things like this. I'm listening to motivational speakers, myself, quiet. And it gets me amped almost like before a game. If I don't have goosebumps before I start during the day, I got a problem. And so I'll find a way to get that excitement before I start each day. And I think that carries through my team. And I think that carries throughout the day. And every day here, I'm my energy is cranked. It's we have a good time. That's awesome. But Uh, for me, like like you were saying, getting back to your point, it was the it was the you can't do this. It won't work. That, that, that personal challenge. You're like, I, I bet I can Yeah, bring it. Let's yeah, see what we can do for sure. I want to I want to bring it back to those goosebumps you have before you start your day. What is something that is it the the fact that, you know, you can help this person? Is it the fact that if you know you're going to help this person, the whole brand's going to grow? What is that that really gets you going? Like kind of the, the why behind all of it? I think it's bigger than chiropractic yeah. when it gets to that point. Um, this morning I was listening to a speech that was from a movie. You know, a lot of those speeches, you know, you can take them in the context of the movie or you can take them in the context of your life. And I choose to take them in the context of my life and how I can relate them. But as I was listening to that, I was they were talking about teamwork. You can either stand alone and die or you can come together as a team and you can win. And for me, that was the goosebump moment this morning is coming together as a team. You can do so much more with the people around you versus trying to do it yourself. So I love those types of things. Yeah, that's awesome. The yeah. Rock has some really good ones right now. He he's he's insane right now. I, the Rock and Kevin Hart together. You want to think <laughs> Kevin Hart as Kevin Hart as an inspirational guy, but you listen to that, that man talk. He has some nuggets. One of the biggest things um, of our company that that I do is, is nuggets of the day, mm-hmm. and and that's the same kind of thought process of every single day, making sure I'm learning something. Um, and it goes back to the the teamwork and the leadership of. If you're at the top, you are the you're leading all these people below you. If you're not learning and growing, you can't give these people below you something else. So that's that. I love that point is if you want to continue to lead, you want to continue to grow, you want to continue to push forward. you got to be learning every single day. The day you don't learn is the day you go backwards. Yeah. I mean, you don't even stand still. You literally go backwards. Yep. And I think you have to lead by example, too. You know, I'm one of those guys that, you know, I choose to be a workhorse. That's my choice. Do I have to? No. Could I have other people do what I do at this point in my career? Yes. It's not going to happen. That's not who I am. Mm -hmm. So I'll always choose to be the workhorse. And I feel that if I lead by example, it's also very easy for me to look at people and say, we need to pick it up here. They can't look at me and say, well, if you're not doing it, why should I do it? And it's really cool. The team we have, they just they lead in their own right at this point. 
it, it makes it a lot more fun that way. Yeah, you're leading from the front. And I think that gives you the uh, a better viewpoint of knowing what leadership is. So when you bring somebody into your practice, it's not like you're so disconnected that you can't see it anymore. You're like, I see what that person has. It's in me. So they're going to be a good fit into this team. Absolutely. It's um, so one thing I tell my team when I interview is I'm not looking for someone that has all these credentials. I'm looking for someone that can melt within this team. Mm -hmm. If you can work with this team, if you can work with these people, you'll be successful here. If you know the old rule of thumb, if you can do something 100 percent or you can find someone, two different people to do things at 80 percent, be great because that's 160 percent right there. Yeah. And uh, I, that's what I do. You have to trust people. Have you, have you ever had an issue of somebody bringing into your team that was talented, but didn't fit into the mold? Yeah, absolutely. Really? <laughs> One of the biggest you know, challenges with chiropractors, you know, you graduate school, you're a doctor, you put all this time to be a graduate. And so you get this, all these diplomas and you're like, okay, the world owes me. Yep. The world owes you nothing. As a matter of fact, you should have to now work harder to prove who it is that you are at that point. And so I tell a lot of these doctors coming out and I used to coach a bunch of different doctors too, and it was great, but there's a lot of people out there that have that sense of entitlement. I've been very fortunate that I was brought up in a family that you work to earn everything you get. And until you do, you don't earn anything. Yeah. And so that's what I try to also teach, you know, the young doctors coming up and I still live by that value is not, you're not entitled to anything. The world owes you nothing. And I think that's one of the reasons I've been successful in this profession is every day I look at it the same way. I haven't earned anything today. Yeah. Go earn it. Go make it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, we talk again a lot about in previous podcasts, the, the, the chaos and order in life. If you just sit there and think that your life is going to be perfect and the foundation built, it, it, that chaos is going to come into it and, and wreck everything. So you got to stick with that mindset of I need to earn this. I have to continue to build what I have. Otherwise, something is going to happen. And then the other thing in somebody that's not established, something that's up and coming, somebody like me where the business is growing and we're not 21 years in being ready for when the next opportunity presents itself. I think that is big as well is every single day. If you're not working, that doesn't mean that opportunity is going to come every single day. That doesn't mean that the world's going to give you this little peach, but it means when that opportunity comes, you're going to be able to grab it and go with it. So I always tell people, especially with young businesses is, is, you know, you have your one year, five year, 10 year plan. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to be there in 10 years. Maybe you're bigger than that. But if you have that roadmap, at least you're going to be on the path to be looking for those opportunities. And it's amazing when you open your eyes and look for the opportunities, they're there. Yeah. It's when we're so focused and so narrow minded in life that you don't see those things and they pass you by. And I think a lot of people in general, chiropractors included, is, you know, they're just working one day to the next. I don't know if I could have done this for 10 years if that's how I functioned. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking so far ahead, yet so focused on where I am. It makes it fun. It makes it exciting. Yeah. You know where you're going and you're, you're still working to get there, but you can see that big grant goal. That's that's another thing I, I talk to a lot, a lot of young, younger than me, even people that are trying to like start up. They're, they're still in college trying to start up. And I'm like, you, you got to be able to see something greater than what is there, because if you can't see that something greater, if you're not you don't have that passion to get to something greater, there are going to be days where you are just going to quit. If you can't see that vision, there are going to be days where you're going to wake up and you're like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. You have a lot of those days, actually. Yeah. Even if you have your vision, you're still going to have those days of, wow, like to check that one off my record book because I don't like that day. Yeah. Okay. Thank God you got tomorrow. Yeah. But at least you have that vision of where you're going so you get back on the track. And push you forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Back on the track is awesome. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. All right. So let's transition into the journey and mindset piece. So we're hearing all this awesome talk, all these things about how you have this kind of built into you this fire that wakes you up every morning and you're 21 years in the profession and you're crushing it. 
there's a lot of people out there that see you right now and they're like, oh, he was born with that. He, he, he got lucky. He had this thing. It was an overnight success, that type of thing. And one of the one of my favorite parts of this podcast is breaking down how not ordinary, but how every single human is a human, no matter how successful. And that if that map has been paved before and, and that you've got there before everybody that can do it and a lot of successful people actually start lower than you are right now, you know, that, that they start in this tough spot that they had to work their way out of. Can you give the listeners some of those tough spots that you had to go through and then the mindset that got you through all of that? Yeah. You know, I'm one of those people that believe that success leaves clues, right? Everybody that's been success, successful, I should say, there's clues behind them from Warren Buffett to, you know, Warren Moon. I mean, you watch those people and what they're doing and it's set up that way. When I graduated chiropractic school, I had a job. I had zero patients. My girlfriend at the time, wife now, was just starting law school. My bank account was $32. I had a six-figure debt coming my way from graduates. It's a really scary place to be. I've never seen six figures in my life to that point, and mine was going the wrong way. And so I remember thinking to myself, man, I better make this work, or I'm not sure what happens at this point. And so number one, that's your motivation. And you know, speaking of mountains and valleys, I think at the beginning of your career, one of the best places to be is in the valley. Yeah. You look up all over the place and you see all these people doing great things and you mimic them. You start to think like they do. You start to act like they do. You start to drive like they do. You start to eat at places they eat. And you, again, you're following those clues. And the mindset I had is if they can do it, I should be able to do it. They're not bigger, faster, stronger. They're not smarter, dumber. They're, they're literally normal human beings like you mentioned. They've gone from here to here. Well, if they can do it, why can't I do it? But what do I have to do to get there? Because no one's telling me this. So I started asking, what did you do? How did you start? What worked for you? What didn't? Some of the people don't want to tell you. They just want to tell you everything's hunky dory and, you know, went right, right from zero to hundred. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't buy that. Yeah. Um, my career, it was the same thing. You know, I wanted to start and just grow, 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 grow. And I had a mentor of mine tell me along the way, and it was actually starting this practice up. It was when I was very successful in Maconi and I decided I was going to leave there and start another practice. And I was growing and it wasn't fast enough for me. And he pulled me aside and he goes, where's your enjoyment? Like enjoyment is not going as fast as I want it to. He goes, it's because you're not enjoying the ride. He goes, you should grow and plateau and grow and plateau. And he goes, and when you sink, he goes, take that opportunity, take a step back and evaluate what you've done to this point. That was a really tough thing for me to swallow because I don't know about you, but I don't like to lose. Yeah. And so to take those perceived losses and go, why is this a positive? That was one of the toughest things in my life to do. But in doing it, I've learned to enjoy the growth process of not only a practice, but also the growth process of the teams that are involved with me, watching them grow personally and professionally and being like, hey, I'm here to enjoy the ride just as much as I am to lead the ship, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah, it's I mean, the valley allows you to look up and see the mountains around you when you're on top. People are shooting for you, right? They're asking you the questions, which is great, but I've gotten a chance to really talk to a lot of really cool people on the way. And just those little things that they teach you, just those little things along the way. If you just work to emulate them, you don't recreate the wheel. You do what they did to be successful and then you make it your own. (laughs) That's uh, it's awesome to hear that from you because we've had, I would probably say 12 really successful people on this podcast and almost every single one of them. The key trait is that expiration that uh, they question things. They, they have a thirst for knowledge and trying to grow. And 
you mentioned earlier talking about how you listen to things and you listen, you're not, you're not talking through that, but you're actually listening and growing. And to hear that again for people, I think is, is really important that if you want to grow, you, you have to be able to listen. You have to be able to think you have to be able to take stuff in and not always putting stuff out. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you put something out when you don't know? Yeah. I mean, that becomes verbiage at that point. I think 90% of being a doctor is listening to the people you're working with because they might, may not use the vocabulary. They might not know necessarily what the anatomical components are, but they're telling you what's wrong with you, with mm -hmm. them. And your job is to decipher it and find a way to fix it. Um, and it's a challenge we live in today. I mean, no one likes to listen. They all want to be like, I'm going to speak first and I'm going to speak last. And it is a challenge because we all want to sound smart. Yeah. You're going to sound way smarter if you listen first and speak second though. Mm -hmm. With that, and you, you talked about how you're, you're, you're listening to the clients from this point and they're, they're this were kind of going into the communi communication part because I think it, it blends together here is did you struggle with that when, when you first started out the, the communication piece and how important that is? Uh, you mentioned like a lot of chiros come out and they're like, all right, I'm a doctor now. I know everything. I'm going to do this. And you see that a lot in the strength conditioning world as well of, all right, I'm certified now. I, I got this job now. And when they're talking to their athletes, they're talking to their clients, you can tell they are not connecting. There's not a connection there. One person speaking on one level, almost down to that athlete. And it's not getting the point across. And if you're not getting a point across, you're not going to get out of that, what you want. So did you struggle with that ever? hundred percent. When you, when I was done with chiropractic school, the terminology that I was using is a terminology based on doctor talk, right? Great for me to understand. Great for me to read MRIs and things like that. But if I use that communication with a normal human being, that's an attorney that works at the grocery store that works, you know, as a teacher, they're going to look at me and go, I have no idea what you just told me. Yeah. Which means that the motivation for them to be here is going to be next to nothing. Because I might as well speak Spanish to that point. Yeah. Um, a mentor of mine told me when I first started, he said, you could put an x-ray in the, in the room upside down. You could go through with the patient and they're going to shake like they know what you're talking about. The reality is they don't care what the x-ray looks like. They want to understand the situation and they want to be able to relate. And so one of the things that I try to do is, is, is be like a chameleon. You know, I have my personality type. It's a deep personality. It's a driving personality. That's who I am. However, when the... When the C-type personalities come in, you know, the ones that are detailed and want to pull things back and slow down, I have to be able to relate to them. So my protocol is I won't ever work on somebody the first day that they're here. I'll do a phenomenal examination. I'll take extra, do whatever we need to do to get them to the point of my understanding. So when they come in that second visit and I go through things like x-rays and we speak with them, we spend a lot of time going through the what and the why. Because if they don't get it, they shouldn't be with me. They should not be in my clinic. Um, and I tell them we're a team. I'm not up here and they're not down here. We're literally at the same level. They may know more about something than I do. I may know more about something than they do. But when it comes to the communication, I need to know what they're feeling. And so we approach it just like a team effort. We're a team here to get them better. But yeah, day one, no, no adjustment. Nothing's done because I don't have enough information. Day two, all communication. Mm -hmm. And I think that's huge because people truly understand, they trust, which is huge, and they get it. They get the purpose of why they're here at that point. Yeah, um, that, that's awesome. It's fun to see that, that light of, oh, this makes sense. And that's, I mean, that in itself is, is rewarding right there. 
Yeah, so. that that, uh, that long term versus short term approach of not trying to just get them in and show them where you're at and give them a quick fix, but explaining to them like like you said, it, it's a team and this is going to be a long term process to make you better, mm-hmm. not to not to make you feel good, but to actually fix you fix and make problem. you better and educate them about what they're doing. I, I love that point. Another thing that you mentioned was the chameleon and Brett Bartholomew is a strength coach, big in the communication realm. He wrote a book, Conscious Coaching, which is the same thing, talking about how you have all these different types of athletes, all these different types of people. And your job, you still need to be yourself because people sense if you're not yourself, they sense if it's something off. But you need to be able to be yourself in a way that blends into who they are. And like you said, in the athletic world, I have a lot of athletes that they do not care about the science behind anything. They could care less. They just like, all right, this is what I'm doing today. Don't tell me anymore. I'm just going to do it. I'm sure you have the same thing. But then you also have the the people coming in that if you don't explain everything to a T, they, there's no way you're there. Well, why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? So I love the first day you kind of go about figuring that out, which person you're working with. So then everything, everything past that is so much easier, so much smoother. It, it is. And, and, and I tie it back to what their goals are. Yeah. You know, if their goals are short term and, you know, I just want to focus on pain or if their goals are sports performance, how do I elevate my game? You know, their goals are their goals. You know, my job is to tell them what they need and give them what they want. I'm not here to force anybody to do anything. That's their choice. Yeah. And some people tell me it's like, well, I've heard that when I come here, I always have to come back. Well, if you feel great, you stay great and you're more healthy and that's what you want to continue to do. It makes more sense to me. If you don't care about that, then no, you don't. I'm never going to make you come back to my clinic ever. Yeah. And it's it's fun to watch people's faces. They're like, well, this guy's weird. He's not even making me come back. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's not my job. That's bad for business. If you want to be here, I'm happy to help. <laughs> I love this. Let's let's dive a little bit deeper into this then. So lower back pain, back pain is the, one of the biggest complaints that you hear about in the United States for sure. What are some common things that you see and causes of it for back pain? A lot of it, honestly, is neglect. Okay. Um, so diving into the athletic component of it, you know, whatever age, a lot of people have the misconception that I work out, I stretch, therefore, I don't need to take care of anything else because I'm strong. The reality in, in the way I relate it to some people is, is like a race car. You know, how often do you have to tune up a race car versus how often you have to tune up the car that you drive every day? Race cars every day. Yeah. It's high performance. You're pushing that thing to the limit. Therefore, it needs help to stay at that level. And so with lower back pain, neck pain, whatever, is it's the neglect. A lot of people think, oh, no pain, no problem. Pain is the last thing to show up. Yeah. It's most of the nerves in the body, your function. Therefore, if you rely on pain, you're really relying on about 7% of your body's intelligence. It's a dangerous place to be. And so a lot of the people that I see, once I get them beyond that unstable phase, it's all a matter of how do we keep it there? And so, you know, no pain, no problem. I think that's kind of sums it up as people think I feel good. I must be fine. I'm just going to ignore this. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have pain in your teeth, but you brush those every day. Yeah. Why? Because you don't want your teeth to fall out. So when your your, your spine, your back is, you know, similar materials, you kind of got to maintain those at the same level if you want longevity. Yeah. Being proactive with yeah, it. Absolutely. And so when you say neglect, what are some things people are doing that would be considered neglect to it? And what are some things that you think 
they can do the listeners that they can do every day to brush your teeth or brush their spine in that way. You know, they're more simple than people realize. One of the number one things that I notice here is when I get people on a hydration protocol, drinking enough water during the day, it's as basic as that. Yeah. Their adjustment goes from okay to phenomenal. Their muscles just rehydrate them, that themselves. It's, it's a phenomenal thing. So if you're getting the proper amount of water during the day, it's amazing what it does to your, to your body. Um, number two is movement. Um, unfortunately, we live in a world that's sedentary and it's becoming more and more sedentary, which is why they're linking obesity and, you know, even possibly early deaths down the road to lack of movement, getting up and moving around. Now we see more people doing standing workstations. You see some, you know, people taking more breaks than they need than, than they did before. Um, but movement and hydration are probably the two biggest keys that I see. And I wish more people would do it. You know, people like you and I, we know it, we do it. We take advantage of that stuff. But the far majority of people just don't don't see it until sometimes it's too late. Yeah. And those are kind of bummers, because as I go on with my career, I see more and more people in that sedentary world where I see some problems that I used to see in people's 50s, 60s and 70s. Now starting to creep into the late 20s and 30s. It's a little bit scary just because of the world we live in. So hydration and mobility, top two, bar none. That's awesome. The, the, the Almost the holistic approach. One thing I try to preach to a lot of athletes and clients that I work with is that the body's all connected. Um, if you're not drinking enough water, it doesn't matter what we do in the weight room. It doesn't matter all these things like that. These basic nutrition, that foundation of who you are is big. There's a study out. I think Eric Cressy, baseball guy, tweeted out, but talking about the recovery from athletes shoulder issues that they had when they quit tobacco, they quit chewing tobacco. And they talked about how it was a crazy increase in the amount, the time that it took to recover because they just quit tobacco. And I think that is, again, brings it back to what a lot of people don't see is everything that you put into your body is fuel for it. Everything it's taking, it's holistic. It's one body. And if you're missing out on a key part of it, there's a lot of things that don't really matter. In everything you put in your body is a toxin. It goes the other way too. Yeah, chiropractic is very similar. You know, there's a study that was out, and I can't recall the study. It was early in my career that I saw it, and they took three groups of of people, and the only thing they had in common is they never could have been adjusted, never in in, in their history, and it was everything from ballerina all the way to football players, and they did tests like broad jump, speed agility, uh, reactionary tests, and so they took three groups. The first group did nothing. The second group was under chiropractic care for six weeks. The third group was under chiropractic care for 12 weeks. And then they redid the same test. Group one, no chiropractic care, improved by about 2% on those tests, recognition. Group two, improved by just over 10% in their performance. Group three, that was under chiropractic care for 12 weeks, 17.1% in their performance. And what that shows you, if you do something for your body, your body will then perform. Yeah. You know, input equals output. You know, whether it's your car, you know, put bad gas in your car sometime and see what happens. Yeah. It's the exact same thing with the human body. Yeah. And I wish we get it's getting better. I mean, you hear all kinds of things as far as nutrition and things like that, but it's it's still a battle we have to face. Yeah. And I think, again, the way you relate that is big input output because the growing clientele for us is the business people that are starting to realize they, they really don't care about their numbers. Uh, some of them care about how they look, but a lot of it is they, they feel crappy at work. Mm-hmm. And and that's what they care about. They care about that money-making thing. So trying to relate that to, again, your clientele of, hey, if we do this, this is the outcome that you care about. All these other things will help. You'll, you'll move better, you'll look better, you'll do all these things. But 
your work will improve. And once they hear, oh, work will improve, I'll, I'll feel better at work, I'll move up in the ladder, that's where it clicks and they're like, I'm going to invest in this. Well, same with, you know, workouts, you know, if they're saying, well, how am I going to give a half hour to an hour a day or whatever they need for their exercise? It's like I'm taking that away from my work. But yeah, if your productivity goes up by 20% by the end of the day, you just overcome that hour during the day that you spent in the gym. Yeah. Not to mention you're going to feel better and you're not going to be a, a crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they go hand in hand as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's all, it's, it's return on investment, right? Mm-hmm. In, in business, if you have a four and a half to one return on investment, it's worth doing whatever it is that you're doing. If you have a four and a half to one return on investment in your life, I'd say it's more than worth doing that for yourself. Yeah. Taking a run with it. Yeah. And how tough is it to drink water? Honestly. Yeah. yeah. It's there. But you hear every excuse in the book, don't mm-hmm. you? Well, I have to go to the bathroom. Well, that's pretty normal. <laughs> you know, I mean, those things are kind of typical. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to go anyway. So just take a break when you need to go. Yeah. So uh, listeners, just, uh, just thought about this. Is there a certain amount of water that you recommend? It's based on size and you see some standards out there. And I struggle with that because, you know, you take someone that's 250 pounds and someone's 130 pounds. It's not the same. Yeah. You know, someone that's, you know, more in that, you know, 100 to 150 pounds, 170 pounds, um, you know, 78 ounces of water is going to be fine. You know, someone that's, you know, two plus, you're looking at 100 ounces of water. But it doesn't have to be sipping the stuff all day long. I don't. I go in the back and I chug it because that's what I have time for. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of those people that, you know, if I have to go to the bathroom, great. That means I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So, you know, between 70 to 100 ounces, you're going to be fine. You're drinking a lot of coffee or you're doing a lot of workout stuff or pre-workout stuff with caffeine in it. That's a diuretic. You need to add a little bit to that. But you'd be amazed on how many people are drinking 20 ounces of water a day. They don't realize it. They finally count and they're going, holy cow. And it's a little bit eye opening. But as soon as they do, within a week of doing it consistently, everyone will tell you, I feel different. Yeah. Just with the water intake. Mm-hmm. So I, I shoot for 100, 110 ounces a day personally. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So now we're going to go into sports performance and transition that a little bit of. So we have the general clients and talking about the business person working. But can you talk a little bit about the importance of the spine in sport? Absolutely. Less about the spine and more about the nervous system. And chiropractic is based on the nervous system concept, obviously, Um, especially with high level athletes. They're all genetically gifted. They're all doing what they're supposed to do to perform. So what is the difference between the guy that's great and the guy that doesn't make it? Not much physically. Yeah. So it's going to go back to that reactionary thing that I talked about before. If I, you know, if the ball's in the air and I'm a defensive back and you're a wide receiver, my reaction time is a second quicker than yours. I win. Um, if that nervous system is bogged down where it's working 70 percent or 60 percent, it's going to affect your body's explosiveness. It's going to affect your body's reactivity. It's going to basically take a great athlete and it's going to depress the overall performance. There's great athletes out there. I believe it was Joe Montana gives chiropractic way back in the day credit for why he had the longevity that he did. And he was an okay quarterback. And so you take guys like that and you go, okay, what did it do for them? Their body recovers quicker. They perform better. They're, they stay stronger longer. I mean, it's based on the neurologic component. If the spine's not right, the nervous system is going to be impacted. Yep. So then going forward, is it that you just recommend 
athletes or high level athletes to go to a chiropractor? Are there some things that they can take away and do on their own to kind of help with it? Yeah, absolutely. So the athletes that I treat, you know, we do a lot of the rehab stuff too. And, you know, if they need rehab, if they don't, we have to determine that when they're here, you know, but I give them a lot of things to do on their own when it comes to obviously the stretching, you know, the hydration, like we talked about, you know, what they eat, what they don't eat, anti-inflammatory foods, all of those types of things. And I give it to, you know, you know, my peewee hockey players. It's like, hey, they may not do all those things, but they're going to get the foundation for me to know as I grow up. I already know some of these things that I'm going to implement. And my daughter is uh, she's a 13 year old and she's been fortunate enough to play on a varsity basketball team. And and she's small because she's 13. Yeah. And so we have her in all kinds of things like different proteins and things like that to help her body have fuel. And she looks at me every day and she's like, I don't want to do this stuff. <laughs> and my response is, I'm your dad. I don't care. <laughs> um, but she is gradually learning that if you do some of these things on your own, the performance on the backside is going to take care of itself. Yeah. So diet, hydration, like we've talked about a gazillion times at this point, um, protein, all of those different types of things. So those high level athletes, they're so well taken care of at this point. And you've seen a lot of that, I'm sure, where they have people watching what they eat. They have people, you know, mandating what it is they do. But if I can tweak the structure a little bit and I can periodically reset the system, they just perform better. Yeah. Um, I I got the opportunity to work with a a Super Bowl winner um, a while ago. And he said, man, we used to have a chiropractic locker room. And this was years ago. And I'm like, really? Tell me about it. He goes, well, he goes, gosh, every day out there, I'm a lineman. I'm smacking heads with the guy across from me. He goes, you don't think that sets the spine off? He goes, so they'd retweak the system. We'd be good to go. It was really cool to hear. Mm -hmm. Really cool to hear at that point. So um, I wish I could tell you there's this epiphany thing. You know, everybody's looking for the magic pill. It's not magic. It's the basics. It's staying active, keep stretching, keep your workouts going, keep hydrated, watch what you eat, watch what you don't eat. The things that everybody knows, it's a matter of doing it Yeah, consistently. Mm-hmm. That, that's a thing that I preach with my athletes is the athlete that wins, the athlete that progresses is the one that takes care of the other 22 hours. So you have to, you have two hours on your sport, two hours in the lifting, two hours of all that stuff. And Every single athlete's working on that two hours. I, I consider those the easy hours. Everybody's doing that. What are you going doing the other 22 hours? Because I tell them like that, that's the stress period. That That's where you get the majority of your stress. If you're not handling and recovering and adapting from that stress period, those other 22 hours, somebody else is and somebody else is passing you up. You, you see those elite athletes and you, you're starting to hear some of them now. Um, they focus on taking care of their body. What are you doing the, during your off week or your bye week? I'm going to take care of my body. Well, they don't necessarily tell you what that is, but they're doing everything imaginable to reset the system, whether they're detoxing the muscles, you know, whether they're, you know, icing the body down, whether they're resting. I mean, all those things, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy what high level athletes do these days to recover. Yeah. And it's gradually filtering out into smaller athletes, I guess you could say, or athletes that haven't gotten to that point yet of, again, success leaves clues. If they do it, I should be doing that. Mm -hmm. So. So with with athletes in the talking about the recovery modalities, is there a couple recovery modalities that you think have a really big return on investment? And then are there a couple that you think maybe a little bit over height that you see athletes doing that you're like, that's probably a waste of time? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of what I call silver bullets out there. Yeah. And there's things coming out every day, whether it's chiropractic or the rehab or just you know athletic performance that, you know, I look at, I analyze, I research and then I watch them come and go. You know, there's. um the uh, the massage guns, yeah, the big, little therapist. big time at Christmas came out. Yep. And so I looked into them and I found some that were really, really, really good that I brought into my clinic to use with patients. And then I'm looking at some of the stores out there and looking at some of these things. I'm like, wow, 
These are just like little thumper things. I'm not even sure they can do anything. Yeah. So those are the things that bother me a little bit because people, you know, they think they're going to help, but yeah, there's goods and their bads to that stuff. Um, we have something here. It's called ARP wave, ARP wave, accelerated performance recovery wave. You know, so things like that are high level intense recovery units that work really, really well for higher level athletes. And I use it on a lot of my patients. Um, but again, it comes back to the basics. It's, you know, the amount of stuff that ice does, it's amazing. Um, a lot of people have high level of acidity in the body. And so they're, they're eating all the wrong things. And so their body is inflaming as a result of it. One of the biggest challenges that I see, whether it's disease or how the body functions is inflammation. You know, everything from a sprained ankle to some of the chronic illnesses based on inflammation. Got to get rid of the inflammation. Mm -hmm. Movement, hydration, ice. Um, a lot of the therapies out there, the TENS units, all that work, but it's not for everybody. It's like finding the right pillow. There is no, not one magic pillow. Yeah. Got to find the one thing that works best for you. And a lot of it is trial and error with people. And then when you're working with your, your athletes, somebody comes in. How much of a holistic approach are you taking with them? Is it you're trying to give them these information or is it you're, you're writing out plans for them? How, how does that how much are you going into everything with them? A ton. I, and I treat every person that walks in the clinic very, very individualized, meaning I create their rehab protocol if they need rehab. I create their chiropractic protocol if they need chiropractic. I create the protocols they need to do outside of here specifically based on them. Um I do that because I think nobody that comes in here is the same. Yeah. Um, not everything works in everybody. So I need to be able to modify and go in different directions. And it's usually a combination, you know, and in, in, in all the time I've done this, I haven't found one thing that's been this magical, you know, thing. And yeah, I stand behind chiropractic because I believe that most people really benefit from the concept of a nervous system function at a high level. However, all the things that I do as, as ancillary or supportive things to that, the combination is key. You know, it's, you don't go to the gym. Well, some people do. You go to the gym and you work your biceps every single day, right? Well, you can do that. It's just you're going to look like one of those crazy guys because eventually it's just not going to work. So what do you do? You go to the gym and you have proper protocols that you follow. And yeah, we all have our areas that we love to work on the most. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you can't neglect all the things you don't like to do. Um, for me, I hate doing legs. Well, that's wonderful. Some people love it. I just don't like it. Doesn't mean I don't do it. It just means that you know, I got to work a little harder at those different types of things. Same thing when it comes to taking care of yourself. You got to find that right combination. Number one, what works for you? Number two, do you enjoy doing it and do you get the results? And if you're not getting the results, change what you're doing. You know, this is the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. So find what fits for the individual patient. I love that. Finding the combination between what you have to do and what you want to do, because if, if you're just sticking in what you have to do and you you frame it in your head that way, there's no way you last doing that. Nope. And then if you just spend your whole life doing what you want to do, you're probably going to live a sloppy life. So yeah, there's a lot of people combination. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's transition into a rapid fire round. Rapid fire questions doesn't have to be rapid fire answer, but. What are some of your favorite books that you think the listeners can get a lot out of? I, I do a lot of motivational stuff. So Zig Ziglar has always been a great, great guy for me to listen to. The Zig Ziglar's, uh, the Warren Buffett. Um, right now, I'm like, like I said, the, the Rock. I love listening to the history where he's come from because he's come from some really hard places. And if a guy like that can pull things through and, and, and go through the adversity he did again, why can't I? Yeah. And so I love people that have gone through life experiences and they're willing to admit it. You know, they're they're not saying, hey, life is hunky dory. 
Um, Tony Robbins, he's got some great goal setting things that I've heard lately, you know, coming from him. Uh, there's a chiropractor, his name is John D. Martini. He grew up dyslexic. He was told he'd never mount anything. Um, he now lives on, 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 and speaks 360 some days a year. You know, he's, he's a freak when it comes to knowledge and he choose, those people choose to be successful. They don't get successful. They choose to take that path and it's the tough path. But those are the people I look up to saying, I, I can stay on this tough path because the results speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. So every morning I listen to people like that. You know, for me at this point, it's audio so I can close my eyes and just really meditate and kind of think through it. Um, but books, audio, they're all going to do the same thing. Yep. I love the, 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 the easy part. So our, our head coach, one of his biggest messages when he's bringing in recruits is talking about the difference between the easy path and the worthy path and talking about you can take the easy path you can go to these spots you'll start right there. he's like i'm gonna tell you right now if you come here it is not going to be easy but it'll be worthy and trying to communicate to people the difference between that and um again it's the short-term versus long-term goals like are you, are you trying to get the instant gratification or are you trying to invest and grow and it's going to be hard you're going to have those tough days but you're continuing to grow so i love that you brought up that point and those people, those, like you said, the people that go through stuff, those are the people that inspire people. That's why I think that's why I love the question in the mountains and valleys to show everybody like everybody's going through these things, mm -hmm. every successful person. But I love that point. Next question. Who's a guest that you think we should have on that you really think could add a lot of value to people that needs a voice on this podcast? There's a there's a, a colleague of mine. He's, a, he's also a very good friend of mine. His name is Dr. Casey Paulson. Um, he and I grew up in very similar worlds. Um, we're ending in very similar places. Um, he has a lot of good perspective on the journey as well. Um, he's very successful in his own right, but he's gone through the bumps along the way, just like I have, just like everybody has. Um, I've done some really cool things with him. He's a guy that's local, which is really cool, um, but he, he would do a great job. I love it. What's next for you? To be great. And some people say, well, you are great at what you do. And, and, and I think that being great isn't just at the end of the day, here's what I've done in my business. Being great is being great as a person. You know, I feel that I have a ton of growing and learning to do as a person. You know, I have hopefully a lot of life ahead of me. Um, I'm trying to grow every day in my business, but I'll tell you that the last few years focusing on me as a person, becoming a better husband, father, person um, is way more challenging. It's way more challenging because there's so many things that try to knock you down when it comes to that. So many, so many time vampires. So every day when I'm listening to those podcasts or, or reading the things that we just talked about, you know, I'm looking at them both professional and personally and, you know, to grow as a person so that I can look in the mirror or look in the mirror down the road and say, I have given everything my max from when I wake up to when I go to bed, not just from eight to six and not have any regrets. Yeah. You know, I, I think I can look back at my life now and say I have plenty of regrets and I'm sure I will at that point because we all make mistakes. But to know that those regrets were not decisions I made, they were just the circumstances that I faced. Um, but becoming a better person to be great as a person. I love that point. I talk to my athletes a lot of times like being a great football player and being a great person, two totally separate things. Yeah. And one thing that I try to display to them because they, they want to be a great football player time out. If you are a great person, the odds that you are a great football player are going to be so much higher. Like it, it, all of this bleeds into your life and it's going to bleed into your football and 
taking care of these things that are a lot, like you said, they're tough doing the, doing the right thing is a lot tougher, but it's way more worthy, but it, it's going to bleed into that aspect of your life. I look at uh, some people ask me that, who do you think is going to the Super Bowl or who do you want to win the Super Bowl? And, and honestly, either team, I think they're both great. Um, but I look at Patrick Mahomes and I don't know him personally, but I look at how great he is and he's never making headlines for the wrong reason. I'm like, he seems like a great person to me. Everybody in the NFL talks highly about, the, about this guy. He's never the guy that, you know, did something stupid and now he's, you know, fighting his way back. I mean, to me, that's the epitome of an elite athlete is great person or at least perceived great person and great athlete. Mm-hmm. And so these young people looking up to someone like that, those are the people you look at. Yeah. Those are the people you need to you need to emulate, so to speak. For sure. All right. So when you leave this planet, you're on your deathbed. What do you want your legacy to be? I think the legacy that I would most like to live or to leave, I should say, is that I can have my two kids say, this is a person that I can emulate. This is the person that whether I'm a chiropractor or a teacher or a dentist, I can say, I want to live my life according to the values that this individual set, not because he's my father, but because he ended on a high note. He did the right things at the right times. And he did it because it was a choice that he made, not the easy choice, but the road worth traveling. So not just to my kids, obviously, but to the people around me, just to have them to say, Hey, this is a quality individual. And I do not want my legacy to be my chiropractic profession. I want to leave a legacy or a mark on my profession, you know, but when I'm 90 years old and my day is done, I want it to be, he's a great person. Yeah. That, that's awesome talking about almost the nobody really cares what you do. They, they care why you do it. And and the, the why is also going to lead to a really good what. But if you're living your life as a great person, nobody's going to ever remember how many backs you fix. Nobody's going to ever for me. Nobody's ever going to remember how fast I got them. And they're going to remember how you treated them and, and the examples that you set and how you treated everybody around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, chiropractic is what I do. I feel that I'm very good at it. I do it with extreme passion. But it's not who I am. Yeah. You know, I walk the talk in here. I am who I am in here. Um, But yeah, I mean, if when that day is done, because we all have our moments, I'm still me. I'm going to be who I am, whether I'm here, whether I'm somewhere else. And, you know, that's what makes it all enjoyable. That's what makes life easier is you don't have to pretend to be someone you're not. Yeah. So. You you with a lover head coach, one of his other recruiting pitches is talking about how nobody has time to be two people. And if you try to, you got one face per person. If you try to split that face, you try to be two different people. That's you're, you're going to fall off the planet. So that, that that's awesome that I hear you say that last question of the podcast. And this is one that I really enjoy. So somebody's struggling, somebody's struggling in life. They're down, maybe they're injured and, and they come to you. What would be your billboard message for that person to really get out of that valley that they're going to, to push them on, push I, them forward. I had one of those today, actually, now that you say that's kind of a coincidence, but you know, step one is to know that you are not alone. Um, if you've been there, chances are someone else has been there before. Chances are the majority of people around you have been there before. So number one, ask the questions. I'm in a bad place. This is what I feel. How can you help? Um, number two, I think that everything happens exactly the way it's supposed to, meaning the good times and the bad times. And when those times hit you, they're meant to hit you. You may not be able to understand the why at that point, but you're meant to be in that place at that time, whether it's to figure out what the next step is or whether it's to take a step back, like I said earlier, of 
I need to take a step back and really enjoy this ride because I got my butt kicked. I got put in this place. I'm here for a reason. And then all of a sudden things become crystal clear because you start taking the emotion out of it and you start putting the logistics into it of, okay, this is a first world problem. It's really not that bad. Stand up and take the next step. You don't stand up and sprint. You stand up and take one step, one foot in front of the other. And uh, you start to realize and put life into perspective. And it says, you're supposed to be here. If you're always up here, what's the quote that if everything in life is going just perfect, that's when you're supposed to get on your knees and start praying because life is not supposed to be perfect. Um, so one step in front of the other. Yeah. And if you think it's never going to happen again, you're fooling yourself, mm-hmm. you know, so be ready for those moments. And so when those moments hit, that's when you default back to your values, whether it's family, whether it's mentors, whether it's the readings that you do, whether it's your spiritual life, whatever it may be, whatever gets you going, that's when you go back and say, I need to go back to the fundamentals. Yeah. That- that, that that's awesome uh so on next wednesday i'm getting a tattoo actually of a, a flood destroying a city and the, the whole theory behind that is that that flood in life that that valley in life is always coming um and again like when you when you said it's not coming that's when you need to build that foundation so when it does come which it will you are ready for it and being prepared for that so that that everything you just said there and and that keep taking that next step that's something i preach our our biggest business like mantra is keep chopping wood like every single day just just take that hack just keep moving forward and i promise you that valley that you're in that that dark spot that you're in it, it's not as big as you said like you said as long as you take that emotion out of it you take yourself out of that spot and you just continue to press can progress forward in life it's, it's going to figure itself out and you'll be able to work towards it. And how many of those things, you know, in hindsight, you go through in your life and it's this big, huge thing. Yeah. And a month later, you look back and you're like, wow, I think I overreacted a little bit on that one. There are some moments, you know, the people that, you know, cancers and things like that. I, I totally get it. But for the far majority of us, you look and go, yeah, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. I should have never reacted or here's how I'm going to do it next time instead. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a challenge. I give some of my football guys that come in when they uh couple guys that they got demoted from a spot or they're injured. And one of my things that I have them do is I say, give me a challenge that you had four years ago and they'll write something down. I'm like, all right, how big of, how big of a impact is that having on your life today? And I'm like, well, none. And I'm like, same thing, same thing. Take four years in the future that this injury, this demotion, like if you're growing, you're moving forward, that's going to have zero impact on your life. You just got to keep moving forward. Absolutely. Great point. Oh, thank you for being on the podcast. This was awesome. It was super efficient. This is probably just most bang for your buck podcast that we've had so far. So it was good. So thanks for being on. Absolutely. I'm glad I I reaffirmed your tattoo. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Keep chopping wood.